0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Evan Roberts podcast. This is going to be a very, very, very sad and a very depressing podcast because we are going to only talk about all the awful, horrible Met losses from the 2019 season. And joining me to do it, a guy who's joined me many times before to talk about the Mets, You hear him on WFA and you see him on SNY talking baseball and sports with a bunch of idiots on TV. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, man. We're we're talking about Sal Licata. I only (laughs) brought that up because the last time I saw you on TV, the other people on were making really dumb points, and so it annoyed me. But no, they're all... They're all wonderful individuals, especially John Jastrzemski. He's my favorite.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, I will not comment on any of this, not because I agree with you, but because I don't want to offend anybody, uh, including your coworkers <laughs> on the radio station. So we'll just leave it at that.
0: No, no. J.J. Yeah. really is my favorite. That wasn't even sarcasm. Yeah. It's you and it's you and J.J. Those all are right. my two favorites from SNY. All right. All right. So what I did is as this season has been going on, and I think this 2019 season has been defined By the awful loss, and we've had so many of them starting all the way back in March. I always thought about how, as that list was growing, boy, wouldn't it be fun and depressing and therapeutic to go through the worst of the worst. So, before we get started, let's just break down what was the worst loss of the year because it's not even close, because it happened recently. It happened on September 3rd, and that was the Mets have a 10-4 lead in the ninth inning. They give up seven freaking runs to the Washington Nationals and lose 11-10, and I don't want to hear about how about they bounced back the next day from a sheer enormity standpoint. The fact that they gave up the seven runs, the fact that they had never blown a lead that big, the point of the season that we're in in the month of September where they can't afford to lose. Let's kick it off by just agreeing, Sal, that that was not only the worst loss of the year, but I could make a compelling argument it's the worst regular season loss they've had in a decade.
1: Well, it's the only time in their history that they've given up uh, or that they've blown that lead in the ninth inning. So, I mean, look, the team realistically, I guess you could say they were still in it at this point, realistically, they're not they weren't gonna be a playoff team, at least in my mind before that anyway. But yeah, that's a horrific loss. It just can't happen. I mean, if this game happened in April, it it'd be a horrific loss. So the fact that it happened while they're trying to stay alive for a wild card spot. I mean and dude, I mean, you talk about doing a podcast about this. I mean, I can't remember a year where you have had this many brutal losses and it's combined with the manager and and the bullpen, and that's exactly the culprit. On that uh, in that game against the Nationals, where they give up all those runs in the ninth inning, seven runs, I think it was both. It's the bullpen and the manager again blowing it.
0: Oh, no doubt. And I and I think that game really brought the season full circle because as we'll go through, because because I thought it was going to be easy to make, I don't know a top five list, you know, something as simple as that. And when I went through it and I did it with my scorebook because I score a lot of these mm-hmm. games. I started to realize that it is not five. It's not even 10. The number gets closer to 15 or 20, and that's almost mind-boggling that I am going to go through, and you're going to either say, ah, you're overrating that loss, or maybe you'll agree with me, 15 or 20 games that were brutal, but they didn't really happen a lot recently. You know, they, they seem to go away, that these bad losses were mostly happening in May and in June, and when they went on that great run, that brought them back into the race, or at least for a while they were back in the race, we hadn't had the brutal loss in a while. And I think that the one that they had against the Nats, blowing the six-run lead in the ninth inning, brought the season full circle. And you're right. This season has been about bad losses. It's been the definition of 2019. I think 20 years from now, when we look back, and, you know, you hear a year, there are things that jump to your mind. Like, obviously, the pennant-winning years are obvious. But if I say 2001, you think of the post-9-11 run, some brutal losses to Atlanta. Okay, they made a run. 2005, the first year of the, the Los Mets, if you will, Willie Randolph. 2019, bro, is defined by this that they've had an inordinate amount of brutal losses and the game against the Nationals. Whether you thought they were really in the race or not, it was the final nail and it
1: defined everything that this season was. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's awful. I still can't believe that it happened. And, I mean, look, if you want to dissect that. I, I don't understand how. A manager who on many uh, other occasions throughout the bad losses has talked about, I got to get to Lugo, got to get to Lugo, who takes him out of the game, doesn't have a good reason afterward. And by the way, if you're going to take him out, the excuse to me would have been that that top half of the night took forever. Yeah. So you don't want to go back with Lugo in the bottom half. Fine. I could deal with that. You can't bring in these guys who have just, I mean, they, they they implode. You can't do that in a game that you have to have. So you don't want to go to Lugo, go to Wilson there. And in, under no circumstance, when it gets out of control after Seawold and Avalon, you cannot go to Diaz there. So, we know Diaz stinks, except for the manager doesn't know that. It just I, – I, I mean, I was sitting there watching at SNY, watching that ridiculously long ninth inning transpire, and we all knew what was going to happen once Diaz was in the game. He was going to give it up. And typical Diaz fashion, doesn't take that long, and he gives it right back up.
0: These games sometimes come with memory. So, your memory is going to be sitting at SNY watching yeah. it. My memory was it was fantasy football draft night. And <laughs> – I did my draft, and I was able to pull off not knowing anything about the Met game, mainly because everybody in the draft room, I wouldn't say everybody, but most of the people in the draft room were either Yankee fans or didn't care about a Met national game. So we had the Yankee game on the background. It was a meaningless Yankee-Texas Rangers game. And at one point, they flashed highlights of Max Scherzer versus Jacob deGrom, and it was the joke of the draft room. I put my hands over my ears and started going, ah, 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 because I didn't want to hear anything. And somehow, I actually pulled it off. The draft ended at about 9 o'clock. I got out of there. I drove home. And you had no idea at
1: all what was going on in the game at all? Zero.
0: Zero clue. And what ended up happening after I finally checked my phone after the game was over is I got the same message from numerous people. (laughs) And that was, I wish I could have warned you. (laughs) (laughs) And I said to them, I wouldn't have believed you. I mean, what are you going to tell
1: me? Oh my God, that's crazy! I don't know what's harder to believe—the fact that you got through that draft with everybody in the room not saying anything, or the fact that they actually blew that lead. It was just—I mean, that's—that is a disaster. Of look, I mean, the guy should be fired because of that alone. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember goodness. what your take is on this exactly after that particular loss, but you go through the the whole thing with the—I mean, would you want the in in that spot? You were okay with him there?
0: No, you know, it's—it was all happening so fast. Right. I know that sounds lame, but it really was. It was all happening. So freaking fast. Well, how about
1: Lugo? Do you have an issue with Lugo being out of there?
0: Here's why I look back on it. I got to admit, I look back on it and say you can't take Seth Lugo out of the game. And this is why. When a team has a big lead, generally, they have that insurance policy in their bullpen. If the Yankees are blowing a six-run lead in the ninth inning with Luis Sessa on the mound, they know, all right, eventually we'll go to a Roldis Chapman. This was one of those rare situations where you're taking that security blanket out of the game. So if something like this happens, which does, it happens to the Yankees. They don't blow the game, but eventually they say, okay, let's go to Chapman, right? And then Chapman puts out the fire and the game is over. This happens. Teams eventually with a seven-run lead or even sometimes more have to go to their closer in the ninth inning. I think the fact that he is so far and away your best pitcher, I think looking back on it, you can't take him out of the game, especially for this other reason. When Seth Lugo pitches multiple innings, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to use him the next couple of days anyway. So at that point, you may as well just freaking use him.
1: Yeah, I think you said it best. They took their best pitcher and he drools over Lugo. I mean, it's all he talks about. We get to Lugo, we're gonna win the game. We get you know, get it to Lugo, close it out for two innings, we're gonna win. So why would you then risk losing that game on a you always use them for two innings and b in his mind he thought he had the safety valve in edwin diaz which makes no sense
0: yep no absolutely oh my god so that's the worst loss of the year it's obvious when i tweeted out we were doing this podcast i think everybody pretty much agreed yes that's the runaway winner let me get to a couple of under the radar but killer losses earlier this
1: season. Now, are you ranking them? Or are you just going back no. in
0: order? Here's what we're going to do, Sal, all right? Here's what, the, the more I think about it. I'm going to go through all the losses that jumped out at me as being brutal. We'll talk about it. We'll discuss. And at the very end, after being refreshed, because I think all of us need a refresher sure. on how bad this season has been with these losses, I think after us discussing it, giving our views on maybe it wasn't that bad or maybe it was that bad, I think then we can come up with a top five list. Does that sound fair yeah, to you? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. All right, let me go to this one because this one is very sneakily under the radar. I like going in for the kill. And if you remember when the Mets opened up this season in Washington, they won the first two games against the Nationals. They're playing on a Sunday afternoon, and they're about to lose. They're down 5-2. It is what it is. What are you going to do? And they came back. They rallied. They they fought. They clawed Juan Legaris, get the game-tying hit, and they tied it at 5 and then eventually, Trey Turner hit a walk-off home run against Justin Wilson. It's one of those games early in the season, you don't think much of it, ah, they won the series, but anytime you come back that way, when you're down 5-2 to two in the 8th inning, and you rally against the Nationals' bullpen, and I think it was against Trevor Rosenthal and Tony Sipp weren't even around there anymore, that's... It's kind of a killer. It was early. I'm not saying this is a top five, but this was a sign of things to come. The tease, if you will. Come back from three down and then lose the game on a walk-off home run by that, you know, that just face-I-want-to-punch (laughs) Trey.
1: Well, right, looking back on it, I love that you said it's a sign of things to come. Unfortunately, at that time... I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking they just won the first two in Washington. This is a bonus game. All right, they come back. They fought hard, hard to sweep these series. What are you going to do? So I I probably wouldn't put that in the top five. I know we got a long way to go, unfortunately, with these bad losses. And I get what you're saying. And looking back, certainly that was a a harbinger. I mean, the season played out like that. So bad loss. Those are never good, especially after you come back. But unfortunately, they've had plenty more since then that, to me, hurt a little bit. more. All
0: right, let me throw these two at you. You ready? Mm -hmm. this would be an even bigger harbinger of things to come april 29th 2019 the mets are opening up a four-game series against the cincinnati reds and it's tied four for a while it's a 4-4 game it is what it is and the mets innocently decide to go to edwin diaz in a tie game he gets the first two guys out and jesse winker hits a home run and the mets lose five to four and i think we all have the same view Uh, It happens. Diaz was off to a good start. I don't think he had allowed anything to that point. His ERA was below one. Everything's fine. Wow, it's kind of random. He gave up a home run to Jesse Winker, but this is a two-parter because two days later, they played a 0-0 game. I wonder who pitched in a 0-0 game. That'd be Jacob deGrom, seven scoreless, whatever. And again, they go to Edwin Diaz in the ninth inning of a tie game. And again, two outs, nobody on, and here's this Jose Iglesias. He doesn't hit home runs, and he hits a home run. Twice in three days in a tie game at home, Edwin Diaz gives up a home run. And I think we probably thought it's not a big deal. He's going to be fine. Dude, we should have known it right then and there that he sucked.
1: Yeah, that's the beginning of what turned out to be one of the all-time disastrous seasons for a Mets closer. By the way, I don't even want to call him a closer because he's not. I mean, he is not. he's nothing of the sort. He's not even close to a closer. The guy is just awful. It's not just because he blows games. He can't close anything out. So you're right. That was the beginning, and I think – Look, I remember being stunned because all you heard about was Edwin Diaz, how he's the best reliever in the game last year. So you're thinking that's not even an issue. It's an issue of how you're going to get to him, other issues with the team, the offense, the manager, whatever, the defense, the the pieces out, out of place. And then you're seeing Diaz blow a game like that. So it hurts, but it didn't – you're not thinking the severity of it. Then it happens again a couple of days later – now you're thinking, we may have a little bit of an issue here, but you're right. Even then, I still don't think the severity of the situation sunk in of how awful this, this guy is. All right, it doesn't hurt enough yet. That's what Sal's basically kind saying. Kind of, right? He's saying, yeah, you've, you've That was when a... it started to be like, okay, you're bothering me a little bit. Here. All right. You want blood? <laughs> you want You want to hurt? You want to be in a little bit of
0: pain? This one is a candidate for the top five. Let's go to May 4th in Milwaukee... The Mets are down by a run in the ninth inning, and Pete Alonzo, or as my three-year-old calls him, Petey Anzo <laughs> hits a game-tying home run in the ninth inning. The game goes on and on and on. Jeff McNeil with an RBI single in the top of the 18th inning, and Chris Flexen who just got out of a jam in the bottom of the 17th inning, has to pitch the 18th inning because the Mets basically have nobody left. They used Edwin Diaz in the 12th, and he pitched an effective inning. So the Mets give you the lead in the top of the 18th, and then Chris Flexen proceeds to walk three guys before Ryan Braun gets the game-winning hit in the bottom of the 18th. So Mets tie the game in the ninth, take the lead in the top of the 18th, and then flexing gives it up in the bottom of the 18th. That You got to admit, Sal, that was a brutal
1: one. Yeah, and I think that they've had a bunch of those where they, they come back. And that's infuriating because we've watched a ton of Met teams over the year that just would go away quietly and wouldn't rally. But when you get a big home run like that from Alonzo, from your best guy, you're excited. You got to steal that game. That's an opportunity there to steal one on the road. So they do that, the dramatics late. And they just can never get over the hump. And there's a ton of these extra inning games where they've stung. And that was certainly uh, a big one there. Now, when Flexon's on the mound, you're thinking the game's over at that point. you got to be able to muster it up. And that's why I have big picture when everybody talks about the bullpen. And I know, obviously, the majority of this podcast will be about how awful the bullpen is blowing these games. This is one that's not. This is on the offense. And they've had a bunch of those, too, to where if the offense did enough, it wouldn't be just about the bullpen. The offense should have won this game, and they did not.
0: I completely agree. That was my feeling that night. That was a very weird night. I was in North Carolina. I wasn't scoring the game. I was visiting my uh, my uh, what are they? My nephew and niece. <laughs> That's right. My nephew and my niece. I'm trying to remember what relatives are. And I remember having to watch this game on my iPad while in a very tiny bed with my son 15 feet away sleeping and my wife sleeping, and she heard the grunts in that 18th inning as they take the lead and then they blow the lead. But I think, I think you actually nailed it. That was not on the bullpen. It wasn't even on Chris Flexen. Chris Flexen's not very good. Right. And I had no issue with the fact that Mickey used Edwin Diaz in the 12th inning because you had to, you had to continue the game. And as much as we're going to knock Edwin Diaz, I think at that point in the year we still trusted him a lot more than Chris Flexen. So I'm not, I, I'm not a guy that takes issue with using your closer at the time in a tie game on the road, because if they used flexing earlier, they'd probably just lose the game earlier. But I agree – I think this game was mostly about the fact that they couldn't score a run
1: until the 18th inning. And they get nine scoreless, looking back at the box score, nine scoreless innings out of their bullpen. you got to win that game. So this was one early on, and probably a rare one, but one of the bad ones early on that was on the offense. I think the bulk of them will end up being on the bullpen. This was not.
0: it's funny you say that. This is not, and I think this qualifies. You tell me if I'm wrong. This is not on the bullpen. This is not about blowing a game. This would be the back-to-back losses in May. They actually got swept by the Marlins. Remember when they got swept by the Marlins yeah. in Miami? Yes. The first game in that series was Jake having an off night. It happens. What are you going to do? They got shut out on that Saturday, 2-0. And then on that Sunday, Alcantara pitched in 89-pitch complete game shutout. They lost 3-0. They lost 2-0 to the Marlins on a Saturday. They lost 3-0 to the Marlins on a Sunday. They dropped to 20-25. and 25. That was brutal because, A, it's the Marlins, and B, how as an offense do you go 18 innings down in Miami and not score a run and make Alcantara do it so easily on that Sunday? They let this kid pitch a sweatless, complete game shutout. I it was think,
1: brutal. And I think at that point, I started to think, and I wasn't, we did the podcast before the year talking about how they were going to be, and I, I forget exactly what it was, but I felt like if everything went well, they'd at best be in 85, somewhere around there. Right. But when they got swept to the Marlins, after losing two of three to the Nationals, coupled with, as you mentioned, you know, the, the brutal loss to the Reds and getting swept by Milwaukee, that's where you start thinking, and then they, you know, didn't win a series on the road. They were awful. That's where you started thinking this could get ugly quick here. And you can't, under any circumstance, get swept to the Marlins. And the offense has to be better. You know, you start ripping Cano and, you know, uh, Nimmo, all these guys who weren't doing anything offensively early on. So that's where maybe I started to think that this team may be even worse than I imagined coming into the year.
0: No, no, it was it was deeply concerning. Now let's get to a game that I think when this podcast is over, both of us will have in the top five. And that was that faithful, very, very late night, Wednesday, May 29th, 2019, game three of a four-game series between the New York Mets and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And let me set the tone here. The Mets have gotten a 500. They are 27-27. and 27. They're playing a four-game series against the Dodgers. They've got a series with Arizona right after that, a very difficult West Coast trip in late May they beat the Dodgers in game two of this series so they have split the first two against clearly the best team in baseball a team that never loses at home the Dodgers are 20 and seven at home the Mets have split the first two games this is the huge game three of the series because the finale is Jason Vargas against Hinjin Ryu so you knew okay this game's pretty important Mets jump out to a three nothing lead Dodgers immediately fight back but then the Mets build, get this a seven to three lead. Everything is working for this team. They got, actually, it's an eight to three game. Uh, let me get that correct. They're up eight to three in the bottom of the seventh inning. And then the Dodgers chip away. It's eight to four. It's eight to five. But as we go to the ninth, Edwin Diaz hmm. with a three run lead. and this one was like a lightning strike because he gives up a home run to Peterson okay fine eight six gives up a home run to Muncie okay fine eight seven back to back home runs nobody out eight seven game and this is when I I crapped myself I'm gonna tell <laughs> you that. when Justin Turner ripped the double because now wait a second he's giving up back-to-back home runs now he's giving up a double and then like two pitches later he gives up another double now it's tied so it was lightning striking it was so freaking quick then he intentionally walked Corey Seager gave up a hit to to Matt Beatty and then Verdugo at a sacrifice fly that's it so he got an out but Sal he really didn't get an out okay because that out ended the game it was an absolute meltdown. And to top it all off, it happened at one mm. thirty in the morning. Take it away.
1: I remember that one because I was on vacation that week, and I'm sitting there uh, late night. You know, the wife is sleeping. I have the. That's why I love the West Coast games. I always felt it was a way to bond with the team. Everybody else is sleeping. It's just you <laughs> and your ball club. Okay. Um, and in this case, you're watching it. Now, I think you brought up the best point. They came off the unlikely four-game sweep of the Nats they take two of three from the Tigers. So they're actually playing some good baseball here. And this game would turn out to be the turning point, at least the first turning point of the season for the negative, where you you blow a game that you had to have against this Dodger team. As you talked about how good they are, you're on the road. If you could split this series, you'd take that. And they didn't after they had the lead. And off of what happened in Cincy with Diaz, this happening so fast. And Ev, when you think about it, and we compare him to, you know, wh- whoever, name him, uh, Braden Looper, K-Rod, all the worst clothes in the history of the franchise. Those guys at least made you sweat. Diaz, it's been consistent. It is boom, boom, boom. It's over. I mean, he doesn't even give you a chance. Before you know it, the game is over. So the back-to-back homers, the doubles, you're watching him implode like that. And the team never recovered until obviously late July. But to me, that was sort of a death blow to this team because they just spun out of control after that loss.
0: Here's why... You're sort of wrong, but it leads into the next disaster, and why I think this game about to describe was worse than the Dodger game. They lost the next day to the Dodgers, the Jason Vargas-Hinjin-Ryu game. All right, so I ain't talking game. three
1: of four. I mean, right. Yeah, okay. You're
0: right. So they lose the game that we just talked about, mm-hmm. then they lose the game after. Then they go to Arizona and win the opener, right? They won the first game of that series. They're winning the second game by a score of 5-1 to one in the bottom of the eighth inning. And I always say this, even if something isn't technically as bad as the first one, when you relive something bad and it happens again to you, it's worse. And what I mean by that is if you look at 2007 and 2008, the 2007 collapse was worse from a technical standpoint. They had a seven-game lead with 17 games to go. The 08 collapse wasn't really a collapse. It was more of a pennant race that they lost. But in ways, 08 was worse because you kept saying to yourself, this can't happen again. This can't happen again. And that's what game two against the Diamondbacks was. It may not have necessarily been as bad as blowing an 8-3 to lead against the Dodgers, but the fact that it happened three days later... And you're up five to freaking one in the bottom of the eighth inning. And the culprits in this was, I'm trying to think, it was Jairus Familia and Robert Gazelman. Those were the guys. It wasn't an Edwin Diaz thing. They gave up four runs in the bottom of the eighth inning, including Adam Jones hitting a tying home run, and then they gave it a slow death. Unlike Diaz, this was a slow death. Nothing in the ninth, nothing in the tenth. And then Tyler Bachelor gave up a game-winning hit to Tim LaCastro in the bottom of the 11th inning. Again, very late at night. This was 2 a.m., and the Mets lose to the Diamondbacks. I think it was worse because it happened two days later, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, my God. They're really gonna do this again on the same West Coast trip,
1: right? Well, I guess they had a chance to save uh, the, you know, the brutal loss on Wednesday on that Wednesday against the Dodgers that May 29th. If they were to win that game against the Diamondbacks, and then maybe have a chance for the sweep. But to me, it's a combo. That I just remember that first Dodger game, thinking. This is a problem with this guy Diaz. All right, he didn't blow it on that Saturday, but then you saw the other guys in the bullpen, Familia, doing the same thing. Those type of losses regardless of the reason or regardless of the culprit, those type of losses stick with you. You can't have those. You can't have two of those on a road trip. I mean, hard enough to have two of those in a month and they had two of them mm. on the same road trip so if mm. you combine them, to me, I just remember thinking this is this is just this is bad. Where the team had a chance to, you know, at least split with the Dodgers and then take two of three from the Diamondbacks, you're talking about a good road trip. And yeah. all of a sudden, they lose oh, yeah. three or four, and then they lose two out of three. So that road trip overall against you know two decent the Dodgers, are a good team, Diamondbacks now are a good team, but whatever, decent team. That to me was a big issue. Both those games, I have them start in my uh, on my schedule here on my calendar.
0: All right, this one, you ready for the this one? Pissed me off to no end because of its weirdness, and that was June 13th yeah. and 14th. And what I mean by that is Top it was, five
1: for me, for sure. Oh, this is yes. – okay.
0: This was the suspended game. The Mets are playing the St. Louis Cardinals, and they have a 4-2 to lead going into the ninth inning. But it starts before that. Pete Alonzo is begging the umpires to not put the tarp on the field. What Pete didn't understand <laughs> is that if they did put the tarp on the field 4-2 to and they put the tarp on before the ninth inning and they never restart the game, which they didn't, the Mets win. It's called a range-shortened game. It may not be the fairest thing in the world, but it exists. So Pete Alonso is begging, no, no, no. I'm thinking, Pete, dude, you're up fortitude. Never beg to keep the game going. So, of course, the game is going. And this one also kind of came out of nowhere because Edwin Diaz is trying to protect the two-run lead. He walks the lead off hitter and gets the next two guys out. So there's two outs. There's a runner on first and or runner on second. And he then gives up an RBI single to Colton Wong and an RBI double to Harrison Bader. And I remember I was not at this game. I was at home, thank God, because it was disgusting. It was rainy. It was awful. The sheer shock that Edwin Diaz blew it. Maybe at this point I shouldn't have been shocked because Diaz, who was still having, he wasn't awful yet. He, He had blown a few games, the Dodger game we talked about. But he wasn't the full-blown disaster he was. But it did sort of feel come out of feel like it came out of nowhere because there were two outs, he had a two-run lead, but he blows the game, and then they stop the game, <laughs> they stop it and suspend it and pick it up the next day at six o'clock, which was so odd that they're picking up a tie game in the bottom of the ninth inning. And I went to this one because I figured out oh, it's a Friday night. I'm going to go to the the last few innings of this tie game, and then the following game. And I said, the Mets have to win it in the bottom of the ninth. Right out of the gate. They got to score a run and get the hell out of there. They don't. And then Mickey keeps Diaz in because, hey, it's the next day. Why not? Eddie, Eddie, what do you think happened? He gave up a hit. And then he gave up the game-winning hit to Paul Young, who owns the Mets. The Mets went down 1 2 3 in the bottom of the 10th inning, and they lost the game. It was a brutal 48 hour Mets loss against the St. Louis Cardinals.
1: Infuriating. I remember being at SNY on the Thursday, watching the game screaming at Alonzo. Now, remember, we're there. I mean, we're getting on after the game, so we don't want to see another rain delay either. But you want the game to end here. I mean, the Mets got to get a victory. And Alonzo trying to get the tarp on the field and go play. And then, of course, they get what they deserve because Diaz can't do his job. But I think I was on the fan the next day where the Yankees were taking on the White Sox. So the Mets, there was a later start. So I was on at 630, which timed out perfectly. Because I was on watching the game restart and then them imploding within minutes. I mean, they were (laughs) – the game. what what time did it restart? Six o'clock?
0: Yeah, six o'clock. And it was
1: over by 6.30 because I remember I came on and just destroyed them. That one to me was unacceptable. And that was – that for sure top five. Now I'll probably put – the Diamondbacks or the Dodgers in there as well, but this one I remember being livid at the whole thing. It was so typical Mets to blow that game the way that they did with the rain, begging for the tarp, and then Diaz imploding again that or or maybe like you said to the worst that he did at that point. we knew we blew a couple of games, but that was that was just awful on many levels
0: and, and here's the other thing and hindsight is twenty twenty so we've talked about all these brutal losses, but to this point, the Mets are still hanging around five hundred so even though the Dodger game or the Diamondback game felt like, hey, they never recovered, they never went into a tailspin. This is the game. This is the game where you can honestly look at it and say, okay, the tailspin occurred. Because Hmm. going into the game, they were 33-34. and They lose that game, they drop to 33-35. and They ended up losing three out of four to St. Louis. They ended up losing two out of three to Atlanta. They actually won a series against Chicago, or split a series against Chicago. And then, and I'm not even going to pick one game, they played a four-game series against the Philadelphia Phillies. They got swept of all four games. I think they had a lead in every game they played. And they lost two walk-offs, including a 10-inning game in Game 3. In Game 4, they were down one nothing in the ninth inning. Came back, Todd Frazier had a two-run home run. They went up 3-1. to And then in the bottom of the ninth inning, they gave it all back and lost. And so it was this brutal series where every game they blew – And after they got swept, they were eight games under 500, And then they lost two out of three to the Braves, and now they're nine games under 500. So that was, if you're looking for a game where the tailspin really started from a win-loss standpoint, it would actually be that St. Louis debacle because that's really where you started seeing the losses piling up, and you started to see them really building that hole for themselves because despite all those bad losses – They were right around 500, and that's why I would say on the radio, Joe would say it, I'm sure you would say it, hey, if a couple of these games went the right way, Mm. the Mets are right there.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, you're going back to which game now? You're going back to the St. Louis game? I mean, because they were just bad on the road, right? So that West Coast trip started it with the the two brutal losses, which changed everything uh, to the Dodgers and Diamondbacks. You win those two games, everything changes. They come back home, they play some solid baseball. Um, they even split with the Yankees. Right. I mean, yep, and, yep. And, and then the series happens with St. Louis. So you're right. I mean, you could look at that directly and say that that was the beginning of the end, you know, finished 10 and 18 in the month of June. Uh, they go on that road trip and just, it was a d- disaster. Maybe the nail in the coffin was that Philadelphia series. Um, but maybe the beginning, the, uh, the Cardinals, I look, it's hard to pinpoint an exact thing. I remember being ticked off at the Dodgers, obviously frustrated with the diamondback. And just beyond uh, annoyed with the with the way that they lost that that suspended game to St. Louis, and then kind of giving up on them on that road trip. That's it. I mean, Ooh. come on, they lose to St. Louis. They lose two out of three there. That's it. They lose two right. out of three to Atlanta. You mentioned it, and then getting swept. It's it's over. I mean, but it's over again. Think
0: about this, and now we get sucked in because they come out of the All Star break. They win two out of three against Miami. They sweep Minnesota. They were seven games under five hundred, but they had this big series against the Giants. And they put together right. one of the most frustrating four game series as you'll ever see. We got another one of those marathons. They lost a 16 inning game to the Giants where they took the lead in the top of the 16th on a Pete Alonso home run. And just like Flexen and Milwaukee, this time it's Mazza has to come out for a second inning because they used Edwin D. as seven innings earlier. And Mazza doesn't even make it close. Double, double, hit batsman, single, single, ball game over. But another one of those long games mostly on the offense, they lose 3-2 to in 16, and then the next night they lose one nothing on a walk-off dropped fly ball by Dominic Smith playing left field, and they lost the finale of that series in 12, 3-2. They lost 3 out of 4 to the Giants. They should have won all four games. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, <laughs> you're losing on a drop pop-up by Dom Smith. You're losing in a... Se- I mean, they all ran together in brutality. I don't even know how I'd pick which one was worse because they were all comical. By the time Dom Smith dropped the fly ball in left field and they lost one nothing, and by the way, guess who started that game? A 0-0 game. Mm. Hmm, I wonder. It, it was just, it, it was and that That series was comical because that was the first tease of, hey, maybe they can get back in it. And eventually they did because right after they lost that series is when they won the two out of three against the Padres, swept the Pirates, swept the White Sox, beat the Pirates again, swept. They got back into it right after that Giants series. But those three or four games was just – it was unbelievable.
1: It was comical. Well, well, the fact that they got back into it after that series made it even more shocking to me because I'm thinking, this is it. I mean, this is inf- that was as infuriating a series as you can possibly have. And by the way, and I remember, I think, tweeting this at the time – they just managed to lose three of four in a series where they should have won all four, and it had very little, if nothing, to do with the bullpen. It was everything else, as you just mentioned: the yep. defense, the yep. offense, yep. and it was just to me it was the culmination of a bad team. You can't lose. They, they had a chance. Now, I, I didn't think they were very good, especially they lost the opener out of the gate to the All Star uh, to the Marlins out of the All Star break. They were what eleven games under five hundred, right? So yep. that's yep. it. I mean, now yep. even though they won the next four. Then you, you're starting to think, okay, look, if they're ever going to go on a run, they have to do it now against this Giants team. They lose three out of four. That's it. And in that fashion, that is, that is it. Um, and they come back and, and somehow know. get back into it. But, yeah, that four <laughs> games as a whole, very frustrating, especially because they had little to do with the bullpen.
0: Oh, my God. And, by the way, this is my favorite month of the year. It's September. And you know what that means. The NFL on CBS is back. You can stream every local game live every Sunday. With CBS All Access, it's available all across your favorite devices. In fact, right now, if you go to cbs.com slash Evan, you can get a free one-week trial of CBS All Access. Just go to cbs.com slash Evan, and you can get a free one-week trial of CBS All Access. It's September. It's the NFL on CBS, and it's back. All right. After that series to the Giants, they go on the run. They go on this great run. City Field is rocking in that series against the Nationals. It was almost surreal how they had altered everything about this season. And with that, they hadn't suffered a brutal loss in a while, mainly because they weren't losing. They were winning all the time. Even when they lost the two out of three to Atlanta in Atlanta You said, okay, just bounce back against the Royals. And they did. They won two out of three. Then they come home and they sweep the Indians, and they are 67-60. and They are in it. I mean, even you, Sal, are thinking, holy crap, they're in the race now, right?
1: Well, I'm not thinking they're a playoff team, but, yes, I'm certainly excited that they're back in the race. They saved the season. I mean – um, you know to th- the games mattered again, yeah. and that 's all you could ask for with the team who was de- a dead team walking just a few weeks ago. all of a sudden their games mattered now you wouldn 't put one of those road losses in Atlanta. I forget what the night was the mats game where you took mats out early you 're not putting one of those on uh, on your list of brutal losses was it the 14th or 13th I forget
0: yeah well they it was the second game of the series
1: so it was that right. Wednesday the 14th where Mats was dealing I think he threw what, was 79 or 89 you know what? Pitches? that's
0: a that's a good call on your part and I guess the reason why I was kind of ignoring it that you're right they took him out after they took the lead in the top of the seventh inning they took a two to one lead in the top of the seventh inning and he took Stephen Matz out of the game for absolutely no reason he no he wanted yeah, he couldn't
1: wait to get to Lugo Has right. to get to Lugo
0: went to and Lugo imploded right which was rare it didn't happen a lot but you're right, that's a bad loss. I think the reason why I kind of looked past it was the Mets had been playing so well. Mm-hmm. They're facing a brave team they never beat. They ended up winning the final game of that series. And maybe I looked at it as, ah, they were due to they were due to cool off the Braves are a better team. But you know what? It is a very fair point. That game should be up there. The- and I'm glad you did bring it up because that, you know, caused us to scream and yell for two days. Two to one lead in a rush to take Steven Mats out. Unfortunately for Seth Lugo, it was at a great year. He just didn't have it that night, and it was a quick disaster in the bottom of the seventh.
1: Well, and not that—look, who knows if he met, left Mats in that they would have lost the game anyway, and I'm with you. I expected them to lose two out of three, but that was the first time that they lost a series in a while. They were finally being tested by yep. a good ball club. Mats was dealing, and it's the combination to me of the result and the idea that Callaway did what he did— with really little explanation. They scored a run to take the lead, and all of a sudden he panicked. He gets all giddy and can't wait to get to Lugo, yeah. where he deployed that bullet too early.
0: Lugo wasn't even fully ready. Well, that was the other thing. Yeah. I think that was the big problem. And if you remember, the next day... They beat the Braves to salvage the finale. Huge and they, had a, yeah. they, they had a 10-4 lead in the ninth inning, and they won 10-8. They barely held on to where he finally had to go to Edwin Diaz, who actually got the job done. He came in. I think he walked one guy and got through the inning. But I think that's why maybe that loss doesn't ring as much, because they won the finale of the series. They mm-hmm. they salvaged it against Atlanta. But, no, that's up there. That definitely deserves an honorable mention, because that was a difficult loss, and it was certainly a loss in which we were pointing the finger at Mickey Calloway's decision-making. But, they bounced back from it. They won the series against Kansas City, and they swept the Indians. And then you get hmm. to August 23rd, and it's sort of innocuous when you think about it. They're 67-60. and 60. They're right there in the race. They're playing a three-game series against the Atlanta Braves, and it was this long, drawn-out, offense can't do anything, 2-1 to loss in 14. That snapped the five-game winning streak. I think what was really frustrating is that they had a lot of opportunities. They had bases loaded, two out in the 10th for Ahmed Rosario. He couldn't come through. They had a runner on third with less than two outs in the 11th. And I think as they were failing in those opportunities, you started to get a sick feeling. They lose the game. And, I mean, I was fearful that night. Because even though they had won six in a row, or five in a row, and they were due to lose, it just felt like such a missed opportunity that night against the Braves and hindsight will tell us that was the season. That that was the beginning of the end because who knew they would lose six straight, that that would be the beginning of going 0-6 on the rest of the homestand. So at the time of that Friday night, I had a sick feeling because of the missed opportunities, but looking back at it, that turned out to
1: be the killer. It, it set the tone for that series, and obviously the one following it with the Cubs. They they had to win that game, and all the momentum after sweeping the Indians. City Field is rocking. You're out there every game, pretty much. You know how it is, and Conforto's got to be able to drive that run in from third base with less than two out. That, to me, is what it comes down to, and that's why, I mean, we could get into Conforto on a whole other podcast about how people think he's having a great year, and I really don't think it is as good as it should be. He's got to drive in that run. you got to win that game. The Braves, for whatever reason, are in their head. The Braves own them, and the Mets know it, and that's a spot where they had them beat on that Friday night. Would have been four straight, and then you go on to the weekend just needing to split the two games. Instead, it sets the tone. They end up getting swept, and as you mentioned, they follow by getting swept by the Cubs, that was it to me. That's the last one that I put there. Obviously, the the one that we talked about at the top with the Nationals. It, that it, was the last bad loss. It, uh, it's
0: funny. I think that's one of those losses that you know. Again, we're, we feel bad about it at the time. We feel sick about it at the time. But history was what's going to tell us that was a top five or top two yeah, loss. Yeah, but but
1: also, Ed, they don't have room to play with here. I mean, they, they any chance that you have to win a ball game, and they were in that, you're at home, you're in extra innings, you have a runner at third, less than two out, you got to win that game. Yep. End of story. You I need agree. to, you need every win you could get. That one's right there for the taking. You don't take advantage of that. These wins are hard to come by, especially against a good team, so... At the time, that's a loss that you think, I mean, look, they could have rebounded and, you know, swept the, uh, won those final two, went out and beat the Cubs. But really, that that loss, you had to have that because you had to beat the Braves 2 of 3.
0: What killed me was the next night. The next night, Pete Alonso hit the dramatic, I think it was record-tying home run, or maybe it was the record, no, it was the record-tying home run the next night. It gave the Mets the lead, and they promptly blew it, and they ended up losing the Saturday game. They that was a Strowman losing.
1: start of that game? Yeah, it's yeah. Strowman who's been. Yeah, he stinks. Come on. He does. They, and the people, He hasn't been good as a Met. Well, the idea that the people you know, people talking about the Mets uh, were, were buyers at the deadline, I mean, th- that's not true. They were not buyers. If they were, they would have bought a bullpen arm. Instead, they get Strowman in a deal that they think – is going to work out because he's under control next year. He's been a downgrade over Jason Vargas in that rotation. He
0: has been, and this will be more for when we talk about the offseason. I look at Stroman, hopefully, as Jay Bruce 16 into 17. Jay Bruce was terrible after the Mets traded for him in 2016. There were many who thought, oh, the guy can't play in New York. He had a great year in 2017. Sometimes there is an adjustment when you're traded in the middle of the year. Trevor Bauer has been awful for Cincinnati as well. I hope so, but... I mean, overall, Strowman's been bad as a Sorry man. to go off
1: topic, but no, I have to vent.
0: it's fine. I mean, look, yeah. he's been a part of this. That's yeah. for sure. Well,
1: he's been the worst part. And, you know, Var- look, I don't think anybody loved Vargas. We know that. But he was productive this year when he was here and Strowman replaced him in that rotation. He has not been as productive at a time where they desperately needed him to, to keep him in the ball game here. Yep. And that was one where they got behind early. They come back once again, only to eventually blow it.
0: Now let's read some tweets. I asked people uh, to tweet out, which they thought was some of the worst losses from this season or which one was the worst loss of the season. Uh, oh, hi. Paul 91 says blowing a six run lead in the ninth against Washington was worse in a vacuum, but looking back at this season, The 14-inning loss against the Braves was the beginning of the end. That signaled the team's demise and is, in my opinion, the worst of the season. As we discussed, looking back on it, there is a clear line of demarcation. Uh, The real Vohidian, (laughs) Bill, I don't even know what half of these Twitter names mean. They could be inside jokes or something really dirty, and I wouldn't even know it. He writes, besides the seven run in Washington, the Degrom start in Arizona, (laughs) the Dodgers The sweep by the Phillies where we had a lead in all four games late. And that I'll tell you, that series does jump out at me. But they recover. The thing about those games, and we just talked about it, they ended up recovering. I mean, they got at one point to tying the second wild card spot. Mm Mm-hmm. So now, and I've compared it to an NBA game, you're down by 25, you come back, you tie the game, but then you run out of gas and you can't seal the deal. And I think that this season has been very similar to that, where they put themselves in such a big hole that even though they went on this incredible run and they're hitting threes all over the place, their opponent responded with back-to-back threes. Now they're down by five with six minutes to go in the game, and they just didn't have enough energy to respond to it.
1: Um, I think you have to include that Philly series though. And the reason I say that is because even on this great run, to me there were two things that the Mets had to check off their list when they started this ridiculous comeback. Get to 500, check. And then it was catch the Phillies. And even though they did catch the Phillies, at one point they were never able to really separate themselves from the Phillies. And you look at those 4 games against Philadelphia, it's huge. So, I mean, you could put the Giants series in there too. But I think this one was more impactful because of who the opponent was. Those games count double. you got to win those games. Even if they won one of those against the Phillies, and you count that last one where it was the nail in the coffin, that probably would crack my top five. You have your list now of top five?
0: I'm going to tell you right now.
1: Are you ready? Any more tweets, or we're just going right to the top five?
0: The, the, I'm reading
1: all the tweets. They're all repeating the same things we just <laughs> talked about. <laughs> well, I mean, the, I mean, there's only a handful of these guys. No, games, I know. So I,
0: I, the more I thought about it, I was like, well, we just kind of covered it. So I'll give you an example. Seth, Seth McG, Sean McGrath says, all right, here's my list off the top of my head. Number six, Braves in extra innings. Mm-hmm. Number five, the Giants in extra innings. Which one? I guess the long one that we talked about. Number four, the Diamondbacks comeback. Number three, the Brewer extra inning game. Number two, the Dodger comeback, and number one, the Nationals comeback. Which, by the way, that's a very good ranking system. He just didn't. The Braves being six probably should be higher than that. Uh, one guy says, "I just like to talk about Luis Castillo dropping the pop up." <laughs> I mean, can we just keep it to this year?
1: I was at that game with Big Mike. You know. Me and uh, Eddie Erickson and Mike Seitz
0: with Francesa for that game. And not only
1: that, it was like his reaction. It was like I was with the president when we left. (laughs) First of all, I could not believe what I just saw, and it's sickening Uh, to be in that building uh, to see that happen. I think I actually had the Mets in a parlay that night. It was it was sickening. But we walk out of that stadium, and you would I'm I'm not kidding. You would think you were with the president, Mike. Mike. There were swarms of people outside of the stadium. Uh, after that game, just trying to get to Mike and you know yelling at Mike. That's what I, what, what uh, my memory sticks out. Just, I remember telling Mike and Julio in the car ride on the way home or back to Astoria at the parking lot saying that he's not going to be able to – he can't be a Met anymore. This is it. He's yeah. never going to be able to live that down. Obviously, he wasn't uh, able to live that down. But, yeah, that was brutal.
0: Yeah, I, you know, it, it gave me the idea that – and I think we'll do this during the off season, and we're going to add a third person to it. And I think that third person is going to be Bob Huesler. Oh. we've got to do...
1: What is it? What do we do? No, oh. I love Bob. Oh, love okay. I love Bob, yeah.
0: Right. And you'll get why I'm saying this, that we should expand this and do an all-time worst losses in med History <laughs> podcast. And we could keep it to the regular season because I think the playoffs always trumps everything, and I think what would be cool about having Bob in... I'd ask Joe, but Joe is not doing a podcast. I mean, for me, maybe, but I don't know if I'd waste the bullet on this one. I think I'd save it for something with the Jets, but... All-time Met painful losses because the Castillo game is up there. The Ryan Church game, which I happen to be at at Dodger Stadium, is up there. Obviously, oh, wow. the end of the seasons in 2007 and 2008, the end of the season in 1998, some of the games from one and I'm sure Bob would bring up, you know, Terry Pendleton in uh, 1987, I think it sure, was. yeah. So, that could be a good one for down the road. No postseason,
1: you said, or yes, postseason? I
0: think they have to be separated. Right. I don't think you can... I don't think you can compare them. I, I think they're just completely different animals. I don't but,
1: know if I. I'm just thinking quickly off the top yeah. of my head. Regular season. I don't know if there will be one that would hit me worse than 2008 final game. That's number one. I mean that that spoiler was, alert. Yeah, sorry, I, but I mean I'm just thinking. Oh, you know, you're thinking real quick of them. That was just. It's worse than 07. Yeah, I it's got to be. It's I mean, I was—we be because... were all devastated there, watching the stupid yeah. celebration afterward oh, yeah. at Chase Stadium. I mean, that was—that was, that was
0: yeah. brutal. Oh no! That, I mean, look—that it's okay if we're giving that away because I think it's ha- some of the other games to think about. But no, to me, he They have a different be... one
1: though. He may have a different one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's interesting because he has all the errors mm-hmm. covered as a Met fan since the beginning.
1: All right, I'll let you go first. Do You have you your want top all five? five.
0: I want to hear them. Yes.
1: Um, number. You want me to go one first? But we know what we one know is. Number, number one's gotta be the Nationals game, right? Yeah. Or are you not putting it? No, one no, in? I would no, I would put that number okay. one. Right. I'm gonna go number two would be that St. Louis game on that June 14th. Yep. For me, yep. that I was livid with that. It just really put a bad taste in my mouth. You cannot lose that game. Every game counts. You cannot lose that game. Right. Now, one issue, if we're going individual games, or can we count like the Giants series as one, the Philly series is another? <sighs>
0: I mean, we create the rules. So if,
1: if I could, if I would, <laughs> you want to make it the series, fine, make it the eh, series. I mean, I, I don't know the individual no, it's games.
0: Pick a freaking game. Pick number a three game from the
1: Giants. Number series. three would be the Atlanta Friday night okay. in August. All right. Um, and it's weird because they've had kind of two seasons. So I know, I know. Uh, maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe, yeah. You know, well, and now that I think about it, that uh, St. Louis loss was part of the first season. But really, that was an overall set the tone. Like you can't lose that game, and it just it took me off. Four, I would go um, Diamondbacks. No, I would go Dodgers four and Diamondbacks Diamondbacks five because I really felt like that Dodgers one to me was the beginning of what set the tone for that brutal first half of the season. Diamondbacks followed it up, so I would rank the Dodgers one higher than uh, Arizona. So
0: I'm going to rank it based on the pain I felt that night. And because of that, the brave one, the Friday night brave one that we talked about, which will turn out to be the most important loss of the year, is not in my top five. Wow. Because as upset as I was, as worried as I was, as frustrated as I was, I was more pissed for other games. So here's here's the way it finishes as far as pain. That's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it by like that. the pit in my stomach when that game ended. Number one's the national game. I mean, that was just – I couldn't believe it. Pit in the stomach – That has to be number one. Number two is the Cardinal game, too. And the reason why that's number two, I don't know if you ended up picking that as number two. Yeah. Okay. Is because the pit lasted Mm -hmm. for 24 hours. Dad, my wife would say this if she was around right now. She'd come on and say, oh, yeah, Evan Evan was miserable for a day. Because when Diaz blew the game, I couldn't just accept he blew the game and they lost. I had to think about it for 24 hours. I had to do a radio show the next day and talk about it and then project how they were going to lose that night and then sit down at City Field with nobody there and watch it happen. And because of the slow death nature of it, that gave me the biggest stomach ache. Now, it was nice that they could then proceed to play a baseball game immediately right after, but the fact I had to sit with it for 24 hours, that made it worse. That so that's why I'm going to put that at number. No, they two.
1: lost the game that night anyway, too, didn't they? I think they won that game. Actually, you sure about? that? I don't that? even remember. Let me. Yeah. You know what? Now I want to look that up. I thought, unless I have it wrong here, I, thought, I was at
0: the game. I can't even remember. Are <laughs> you still so
1: ticked off about the Thursday slash you know uh, Friday game? Yeah, I it? was
0: annoyed that I had to to sit through it. Um, no, they lost. You're correct. They won the next day. Right. Okay. So they did get a win eventually. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: So that was number two. Uh, they lost three out of four. That was a... they did. Yeah. No. yeah. You're right.
0: Number three was the Arizona game, because I felt as if, okay, they're recovering from this. They're moving on from this. And like I said, when something happens again, after you just saw it happen, it makes it worse. And it was a slow death. Uh, the Dodger game was an immediate punch in the face. The Diamondback game was, hey, let's blow a five lead, five to one lead, and then sit there for two innings before they finally give it up. And so I think just having to deal with the fact that they had just had this happen, a few days earlier, made it worse. So that's number three. But the Dodger game's right after that. I'm going to put that number four because, again, I think the Diamondback and Dodger game moves up because of what time in the morning it occurred. When you're watching a baseball game, you talk about bonding with your team at 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I, I hated everybody at 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I hate everybody. <sighs> and what's funny is that I hate to bring them up, but I'll bring them up. My best memory of 2019 may have been at one in the morning when D'Angelo Russell wouldn't miss a shot in Sacramento and they came back from 27 down. Mm. And, I mean, that was as magical a moment as a sports fan with no one watching, especially it's the Nets.
1: Yeah. So, I have no comment on it.
0: Yeah, you don't have to comment. <laughs> no, just, I don't know if you heard Kevin Durant. Signed yeah. The Nets. No,
1: I, well, I don't know if you've heard he's out for the year. Oh, so, shut yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: So those are my top four. Number five, I'm probably going to go with one of the Giant games, because again, they started to bring in the tease, they had played well coming out of the All-Star break, and I think the Giant game that caused me the most pain was probably the first one, which was the six, 16-inning uh, game in which Alonzo hit the home run to take the lead in the top of the inning. It was very similar to the Milwaukee game, but the thing about the Milwaukee game is it was the first week of May. It was May 4th. The Giant game was July 18th. They had already created a hole for themselves, and it it infuriated me. I mean, it was just, it was comical how, again, and let's keep in mind, another late night, too. Another West Coast late night. The game wouldn't end. They finally break through with a home run and they blow it anyway. So, just strictly based on my stomach, not where the season went from there, uh, those are the games that pay me the most.
1: Interesting. I would probably. I mean, look, it's tough to narrow it down. I like your ranking system. I didn't go with that full through the list, but some of them I did. Like that Cardinal loss. That the top two for me. Those were how I felt sick afterward. The third one with Atlanta. I just knew at that point that was you know pretty much the end. You got to take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah. Um. And I remember being on the air too. I think I was doing the overnight the night that they lost to the Giants that long game because I started it too. Was thinking I was going to react to the game live, and the game was still going on till two thirty or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that one was, you know, definitely, uh, you know, I don't know if it was top six, seven, something like that. But that the Giants series as a whole, hard to just pick one of the three for me. Same with that Philly series in June. But at that point, I don't know. I'm still not as emotionally into it as I was say at the end of May uh, or the beginning of June or uh, come August and September where they got themselves back into it.
0: That uh, giant game that I mentioned ended up ending at about 2:25 a.m. Yeah, there you go. So based on strict time of when the game ended, that one was the worst as far as it
1: ending late, late at night. It was good for me. I'm live on the fan at yeah. that point. I mean, <laughs> reacting sure. live to it, but it was frustrating, obviously, watching them blow that game.
0: Yeah, I just, I just wanted to be fair with how I felt in the moment because I think it's easy looking back at things, and certainly that Brave game you're right about is going to be the game that you look back on. But as far as pit in the stomach, I hate baseball. I never want to watch it again. Those are the names that top the list. And I got to tell you, this podcast has been incredible from a standpoint of I can't believe there are this many games to go through. Yeah. I can't believe that in a normal baseball season, the Mets had this amount of games. If half of these games... Don't happen the way they unfolded. We're talking about the Mets in the postseason. I mean, think about it.
1: I usually each year I take like the printout of the posts where they do the schedules, the Mets and Yanks, and I'll write win loss throughout the you know throughout the season, and I'll star the ones that you know whether it's a great win or a great loss. There are a lot of bad lost stars uh, on oh. my schedule here for this one. And not that many wins, by the way. Not no, that many.
0: that's the thing, bro. Usually people say, oh, it evens out. It evens out. You not got this year. Ba- no, it didn't. It didn't even out. It's not even close. Yeah. And, and I don't know if that gives me hope for next year. That's for another podcast. But this has been a very memorable season. And I always say that sometimes Met seasons or sports seasons run into each other. The lousy seasons just start to blur together. 2019 is not blurring together with anything. 2019 is going to be, for all the wrong reasons, a very, very memorable season because there has been so much pain and so much suffering and so much heartbreak uh, that we're never going to forget this
1: year. One thing I don't want it to get lost, and by the way, I think this season will always be defined by their comeback and then the brutal losses. Okay, But of the losses that we just went over, and I, again, I know the majority is because of the bullpen or the manager, but I also think that it's the offense too, the defense too. They have had brutal losses with all things combined. So it's not to me, at least, just on the bullpen i think it's a popular narrative to say well if they just fixed the bullpen they you know and they blew half those saves they'd be a wild card team nonsense i think that they have issues as a team as you said maybe for another podcast but even with these blown brutal losses a lot of it's on the offense and defense too Not,
0: and the manager i think that's very very fair very very fair well i appreciate you doing this with me it's been very depressing but
1: <laughs> thanks for having me it's
0: been a lot of fun yeah uh, the next couple of podcasts I'll be doing, besides random instant reactions, will be wrestling related. There'll be an instant reaction to the class of champions pay-per-view. And I'm going to talk about all about AEW. I actually watched that pay-per-view a couple of weeks ago and i give you all my thoughts. Uh, we'll break down how that product could actually be very, very good, what it needs to do. So we'll talk a little AEW That will be posted on September 18th. Instant reaction to Clash of the Champions coming up right after the pay-per-view. Thank you to Sal Licata, and thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.